When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Jared Whateley. Thanks for listening to the podcast. In this episode, Australia's Mitch Wisnowski is about to play in his second Super Bowl. And Charlotte Offord is the head of NFL Australia. Plus, Ben Graham arrived here in Vegas. Gold Coast chairman Bob East came into the studio. Damian Fleming at the end of the ODI series. And expat Aussie Adam McGrath has made a home here in Vegas. You can get in touch at any time. Whateley at sen.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy. Good morning. It's a rainy Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas. The AFL has announced its adjustments for season 2024. It was inevitable and appropriate that the league would adjust its laws to ensure should the Maynard Brayshaw collision ever happen again, it would result in a suspension. I mentioned at the time the most striking aspect of that tribunal hearing was the inability of the prosecution to pin down what Maynard did wrong. There was a lot of what the Collingwood defender could and perhaps should have done, but there was no direct breach of the law in what he actually did. Some would dismiss this as symbolism, but this is how law evolves. You see the failing, you tighten the rules, and the next time it's tested, they hold up. This year, players are on full alert regarding the dangerous tackle. Last season, we we saw 32 suspensions, totaling 43 weeks, in a crackdown that was never declared and surprised and confused the participants through much of the year. Now we have a very clear picture of the duty of care and, difficult though it might be at times, players know how they have to temper a tackle to avoid it becoming dangerous. The bounce survives... One would hope that thought has been given to ensuring that our best decision-making umpires aren't disqualified from the most important games because of their physical capacity to bounce. The simple and sensible adjustment has been made to selection, 23 players to be picked, and then nominate the sub from that squad. And we'll have four interchange and the sub as the convention continues. And the whistling problem we didn't really know we had has been resolved. Excellent work. Straight A's. The gaping hole in the AFL's checklist is the inaction on the score review system. Remember the score review system? The one that stuffed the season? Hello, Crows fans. If I'm interpreting things from afar, nothing has been altered from where we left off at the end of last season. The stopgap after the Adelaide debacle was to put an extra person in the arc for the final series. Now, under the definition of the least that could be done, you could add this entry. Laura Kane embarked on the study tour. She looked into the equivalent systems in the NFL, the NBA, the EPL, Formula One and the Australian Open. You can add in international cricket and say that all have vastly superior technological capability to assist with the most essential aspect of sport, scoring. Yet nothing has been done to improve our score review system. No advances in technology, no safeguards, no challenges. It strikes me that the AFL is the year 12 student who read the English novels over the summer but didn't write the essays that were due at the start of the semester. 
there's the vague promise that maybe a microchip in the ball might help one day, but there are no guarantees and no timelines and nothing in 2024 that will enhance a system that has repeatedly failed since its inception and played a major role in how last season panned out. That's an F, and that's a pattern of behaviour as the AFL again flunks the score review exam. Here's Laura Kane with Sam and Kane. Yeah, so the, the ball has a chip in it that picks up a whole heap of different data points and different information. So uh, there's there's a stream around the game itself. So it's tracking things like congestion and ball speed. So we don't have direct metrics for either of those two things. And how can we start to understand where the ball's going, how quickly it's going and where the players are relative to the footy. So there's a football performance game analysis stream to it. In terms of score review, most of it uh, centres around what, it tu- what the ball touches and also what lines it crosses. And so it's quite um, quite good in terms of uh, tracking when the ball has crossed the line and if anything has happened to the ball when that ball has crossed the line, say a, um, a, a slight finger or a post brush, mm. uh, it can pick that up. So yes, the idea is that the technology um, is instant and I saw it in action the other day uh, and tells our officials what has happened. So we just need to work out how much testing we need to do to make sure that we're confident to use that technology in officiating. But uh, we've already started using it in, ter- in terms of uh, data collection from a game analysis perspective. Big difference between data collection and improving the score review. And I'm wrapped that the new chief executive was able to go out on Marvel and kick the footy around and have the length of his boot measured. But that does nothing for one of the sore points in our game. Benign neglect for 15 years and benign acceptance on the outside. And still, after its worst error, nothing has been done. Your thoughts on the AFL's summer homework? Straight A's until an F for score review. Plenty of footy. Gold Coast chairman Bob East is in the Waitley studio as the Suns get ambitious. Bit of cricket. Damian Fleming after the ODIs reached... Well, a fairly horrid conclusion. And the head of NFL Australia will be with me at Radio Row. The NFL is getting more ambitious by the year internationally. Where does Australia sit in that? Last night was opening night here in Vegas. We have the Friday Grand Final Parade here on opening night. It's the Monday of Super Bowl week. 24,000 fans, mostly rabid 49ers supporters, packed the lower deck of Allegiant Stadium to greet the players for Sunday's showpiece. The stadium itself is so sleek. It is perfectly nicknamed the Death Star. It's got the shiny black exterior and it sits against a desert landscape. We were down on the field and the atmosphere was electric, a third full. I can only imagine what it'll be like here on Sunday. In the midst of it is one of only four Australians who has played in America's great game. Ben Graham was the first. He's just arrived in town. Last year, we had Jordan Maylada and Aaron Sipos. Mitch Wisnowski was in his rookie year when he kicked off the Super Bowl in Miami four years ago. Now he's an accomplished punter with the San Francisco 49ers, and he's got a cult following as well. He is living the dream, and the dream is to be the first Australian to play in a Super Bowl-winning team. I caught up with Mitch Wisnowski on opening night. Mitch Wisnowski, great to have you on SEN. Thanks for having me. And... It feels big, doesn't it? It must feel like the Super Bowl's close. Yeah, a few days away. It's uh, exciting. You had the honour of kickoff in Miami. What uh, What are your memories of your first Super Bowl? Uh, honestly, 
uh, I have never been the most confident with kickoffs. And then uh, after you kick off, well, at least in tw- in uh, Miami Super Bowl, after you kick off, they take the ball. I think it's sort of like as like a like memorabilia or something. So the ball hadn't been worked in, so it was like a fresh out the box ball. So if anyone who's punted before or knows much about football is like, it's almost just like a plastic. It's a hard ball to kick. So already I wasn't that confident at kicking off, and I had to kick off in the Super Bowl with like a rock hard plastic ball fresh out the box. And I struck it pretty well, and I, I'm very happy with my first kickoff, and I'm glad that uh, Jake will uh, take the kickoff duties uh, this year. Such a big moment in your life and career to have started a Super Bowl yeah. already. Do you cherish that? Yeah, um, for sure. It was definitely a moment where, like, I, I've spoke before, I get quite nervous, but uh, it was they hand, you get the tee... And then normally it's like you get 20 seconds, you walk out there and you kick the ball off. The Super Bowl was like five or seven minutes holding the tee, waiting to kick off. And so at the time it was just a lot of nerves and stuff like that. But looking back on it, it was a really cool experience. So you end up on the losing end of it. But I wonder what do you make of of the whole thing to have been part of it and and in your rookie year? Yeah. um, Yeah. Such an amazing rookie year to to get to go to the Super Bowl since being in the NFL you sort of realise how hard it is you will have a good team and it's still very hard to get to the Super Bowl so very pumped to have got there Um, unfortunately didn't get the win hopefully it's a little different this time it's such a small group of Australians who have played in the game what does it mean to you to play for a second time yeah uh, everything to sort of support us to represent Australia um, over in America um, means means a lot. Um, I uh, I think it, uh, maybe a week ago it was Australia Day. I was dancing. Me and my daughter will dance in the kitchen. We put on the We Are Australia We Are Australian song just so she can understand a little bit. She's only two, but she loved it. And uh, just thinking about that and sort of like having a having a ki- having a daughter and starting a family and makes you sort of think about like. You know what makes it makes makes you Australian and what parts of you and stuff like that and what I want to sort of um, you know be a part of Bowie and my family and stuff like that. So yeah, it means a lot. Um, I think you know when it comes to like Aussies in general or sport, it's like that Aussie battler uh, mentality. So I like to think I'm the same and just thinking about that sort of stuff. It's like I, I want Bowie and my family to sort of take that on and for your journey so the the leaps of faith that you take along the way and back yourself after your, your Aussie rules day d- yeah. days does it um does it have you reflective on sort of how far you've you've come on your own steam yeah um yeah I think it's weird I think having a having a daughter or having a child sort of opens your mind up I don't think I was, you know, crazy selfish or anything, but it's sort of having a kid sort of opens your mind up to like, you know, makes you think about a lot more things. And it, yeah, it's sort of, it's made me sort of reflect a lot more and sort of be grateful on like, you know, how I got here and all the people that have helped me and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think early in my career, it was just sort of like, 
you know, running on steam, like I've got to do this, I've got to make this. And now I think it's more like I'm driven by like, you know, family and the people that have helped me and like what I want to represent to like my my kids and my wife and stuff like that. So that, that change in dynamic from desperately grasping your opportunity and hanging on to it to now being a settled professional, does that play out in your game? Yeah. I think at first, like, at first it was a very, like, you know, got to play good, can't, like, can't get cut, like, you know, a lot of sort of fear-driven, and now I feel like I'm more, like, uh, uh, just, I, I can't think of the word, but not, not fear-driven, at least. It's, uh, I, I, I think I have more to play for, um, yeah. It's been the great moment of the season on the fake punt and the run. And how, what's the reaction been like to that? Um, that's what everyone everyone loves to bring up. Um, that's something that, like, you know, when I was like living in New Zealand with my parents before I came over, or thinking about sort of uh, myself playing, it wasn't like you know hitting a seventy-yard bomber or anything. In my head, it was always like. You know, when you're pushing through a run and you're trying to get motivation, you're thinking about, like, running a fake punt and stuff like that. So it was cool to sort of finally do it. Um, didn't count, but, hey, it it's out there. I, I love looking at the fan sites and they're going, Mitch is a weapon, we should be using it. They've got to design plays for him. You've got more to give. Uh, only if there's no one in the way. Um I've learnt, I, I learnt pretty quickly that they're a lot bigger, faster, stronger and everything. So if there's no one in my way, then sure. Otherwise, you know, I'd rather punt it. Who will be here to support you in the stands come Sunday? Uh, it'll be mum, dad, my sister, uh, Nathan Chapman and Josh Webster. Um, Nathan runs Pro Kick and Josh is my, my best mate forever. So... They'll all be coming over. Uh, and then we've got uh, my wife, Maddie, my daughter, Bowie. Bowie probably won't remember much, but if if I win, I want to share that moment with my daughter. So she's got a uh, extremely pricey ticket, <laughs> considering she's probably not even going to watch any of the game. And uh, and then my, my wife's dad. Yeah, oh, That's a lovely gathering to support yeah. you. The team, has it felt like during the year... I don't know, has there been a sense that this was very much possible all the way through? Yeah. Um, we've, I mean, we've had Super Bowl quality teams or we've been to the NFC Championship four out of my five years. So I feel like nearly every year we've been like, hey, we've got a good team. Um, this year, just listening to, you know, coaches or different people being like, hey, I've been on Super Bowl winning teams and this is, this is a very good team. So... I think everyone sort of, you know, knew our potential and knew that, like, if we did things right, we, we could be here at the end of the year. So the one thing we haven't had yet is an Australian playing in a winning Super Bowl team. Yeah. What would it mean to you if it was you on Sunday? Yeah, it, it would be amazing to, uh, yeah, be the first Aussie to play in and win. It would, yeah, mean the world. Mitch, we all ride with you. The very best of luck. Thanks, mate. Mitch Wisnowski, the punter for the San Francisco 49ers. Only four Australians have played in Super Bowls. He does it for a second time, and the dream is to become the first Australian to play in a winning team. That was Mitch at opening night last night.
lovely, lovely young fellow living a big experience. Doug, we're listening in from Melbourne Airport waiting to board a flight to Vegas for the Super Bowl. See you stateside in 24 hours. Travel safely, Doug. We look forward to you being over here. Lots of your thoughts. 40 Winks Temper text 0433981116. Temper, a mattress like no other. Bob East, the chairman of the Gold Coast Suns, in the studio next. The Gold Coast Suns, 13 years in the AFL, the highest finish of 12th. The boldest move since inception to bring Damien Hardwick in as the coach. 2024 is a landmark year for the club under the stewardship of Bob East, who's the chairman of the Suns. In the studio, Bob, welcome. Sorry I'm not there with you. Jared, good morning and thanks for having me. So I'm watching events from afar. Have you tipped your hand? Have you announced an ambition to win a flag in the next three years? Uh, Jared, we've, we've, uh, we've announced that uh, it's a footy-first approach at the Gold Coast Suns. We're here to, to be finalists. We're here to win premierships for the AFL and the AFLW. So um, it's not a guaranteed ironclad a guarantee of, uh, of a premiership, but I think it's fair to say that it's time now for the Gold Coast Suns to really articulate uh, the ambition of the club and to really highlight that through all levels of the club so that there's no doubting why we're in the competition and what we're about. Is this the most ambitious? Is this the most bolshy that the Suns have been? Look, I think it is. And look, it's been a, it's a journey for the Gold Coast Suns. And certainly in the establishment days, I think there was a lot of focus on, as necessary, a lot of things. My, my approach to, to business and, uh, and the Suns is no different. We really need to simplify what we are doing what our ambitions are and how we are going to be able, uh, go about doing those. So for, for this club in its journey, as it reaches maturation, we've been, in, we've been around for a while now, we really need to skinny down our focus to raise our hopes and, and aspirations and just focus on those things that matter most to a football club. All people in a football club want success, that would go without saying. But you really need to draw a line in the sand and start structuring every layer of the business so it is dedicated to that task. And, of course, there's a whole host of other things that we need to attend to as well, but that is our focus. One of Damien Hardwick's first observations was he felt that what the Gold Coast needed to be successful was already there. Is this a little glimpse inside that that three years to potentially win a flag, is is that designed in concert with the coach? It is. It's collaborative. So there's, uh, there's no doubt that we believe we had the core ingredients in, in some parts. Our analysis showed that we had gaps, and I won't go through all the detail, um, but it showed that we were uh, possibly on the cusp of, uh, of better times. You know, the playing list, the, I'm a big believer in data and statistics, so... On the surface, it felt like we had the core ingredients. Damien has uh, brought a lot of uh, focus and process and structure that is very, very clear. Uh, and, uh, and I think this is, it is absolutely a collaboration uh, with the executive and the football department to work out where we are now and uh, what is realistic and how do we go about, about achieving that. The hard work starts now, Drew. Yes, yes, it does. They were a rugged few weeks um, with Stuart Dew and then all that happened in the aftermath. Are you unapologetic about the course that you took, Bob? Yeah, look, it's part and parcel of this industry. These are very difficult decisions and they're highly emotional decisions. Um, you know, the media attention was, uh, you know, it was a, it was a, a baptism of, of fire, I suppose, in some regards. But 
If I look back at what we did uh, from my commencement um, and with the board that I brought on, we were very clear, crystal clear, that we needed to do a solid evaluation of where we were, not just in footy, but in all, all aspects of, of our endeavour. We were really very uh, dedicated to a qualitative and quantitative analysis of where are we now, where are the gaps, what are the resources we need to deploy to fill those gaps, and how do we go about building success in this club. So, um, no, the process was right. Uh, the, uh, it, it is very challenging, and I've, I'm very empathetic to all those involved. But uh, decisions, once you decide a new course of, for an organisation, it is impinging on you to move as swiftly as possible and to, uh, to lay the foundations for the new direction. And uh, I'm really pleased with the, um, the process after that time. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not denying it was challenging times for all involved. Will there be a day in the future, Bob, where, where you try to soothe some of that with, with Stuart in particular, who, who is a long-term part of the club? Oh, look, Jared, Stuart did such a wonderful job in our club and, and you know, it's very difficult to get that messaging across, particularly, you know, last year in the, in the height of the emotion. But uh, those that know and those that care about Stuart in the club have a deep empathy for what he did for our club, how he set about building stability in a time where there was lots of instability. And, uh, and I'm sure as time settles, um, we are very, very eager to, to acknowledge everyone in this club that has achieved so much to, to get it where it is. We see it as our job now to take it forward as best we can whilst acknowledging all of the people that put effort in the past. How would you measure the impact of Damien Hardwick's presence? So separate to the team as a starting point, but more for the club and, and on that, on the Gold Coast and in, uh, in the public conversation there? Well, Jared, there's no doubt that he's, he brings a, an elevated status. There's, there's absolutely no denying he's turned up with energy and enthusiasm. Um, he's, uh, he's a very popular character, as we know. What I look for, Jared, is uh, his process and his structure. He has turned up with a very, very clear plan, a very clear articulation of what we need to do. Everything down to how he's organised the offices downstairs and the workflow and how they communicate and where they rest and, and uh, you know, how he organises things is uh, it's a breath of fresh air um, in terms of I'm understanding what we're doing and, and uh, we couldn't be more delighted. So... He's turned up with enthusiasm and passion. He's got a he's a, an incredibly competitive person, and uh, that was really the key for us. We knew he had all of the hard skills to uh, to deliver on premierships. He's done it before. Uh, what I look for is uh, the intangibles and that passion and that co- competition, that enthusiasm, that daily grind that builds a culture. Uh, I think uh, I think we're we're all very pleased, and I think we're all walking a bit taller. Uh, and now we have to live up to those expectations and we have to work incredibly hard at every level because you can't do it alone and, uh, and make sure we, we bring our fans and our supporters some success. What, what impact do you think it's had on the players? Uh, positive. You know, it's, it was clearly last year that was, uh, it was a tumultuous time for them. Stephen King came in and did a wonderful job through that transition period. Um, but uh, there is a burst of energy and enthusiasm across the playing group um, I hear it at every level, um, so it's uh, it's it's as you would expect, Jared. It's uh, it's a level of expectation that uh, comes with someone that has been there and done it before. Bob, do you take a front to the Victorian outcry at, from your draft hall as the Gold Coast Academy provided for players in the local market, and you were able to secure them all? 
Yeah, Jared, it's a good question. That the goal, the, the academy has achieved what it's set out to do. We now have a, a development pathway for young talent in that market. I've been living on the coast for many, many years prior to AFL existing in that market. I can assure you there was there was not a development pathway, nor was there the focus on the AFL. So if you look at what is it achieving at the grassroots, I've got school age kids still, Jared, and I can assure you that the academy kids that come through these systems are local heroes now. Now this is on the backdrop of schools that previously didn't have AFL fields in their playgrounds. So it's come an awful long way. It's doing what it's meant to do. It's doing what it was designed to do. It's developing talent and and providing uh, not only the talent, but also the awareness uh, around our club. We are in an emerging market there. It is a competitive field. We do have other sports beating on the door and uh, and it's a really important feature of it. So we will defend it uh, as, as strongly as we can. Do you worry that the AFL will will change it under pressure from uh, from Victorian clubs? No, I don't. I don't think on a wholesale basis it will uh, it will get much change. I I know that there is endless uh, you know continual improvement in all these things, but no, this needs to do what it needs to do. It needs to. Uh, we still only had eleven players running around with from Queensland last year. There is still our border security in the past has not been all that good. The go-home factor is a real issue for the, for the Suns and for Queensland clubs generally. It's a very, very important uh, task that we undertake in developing local talent. If we it, it bring it on, if we can get more kids coming through that, uh, you know, from the local suburbs, it is an exceptionally good thing, not just for our club, but for the AFL generally. Border security is a good phrase. Um, there have been moments that have almost been referendums from the Gold Coasters to whether you could get players to sign new contracts. Does Ben King fall as the next case study there? Yes, it's topical. I'll, I'll leave that to those that are closer to that discussion. But um, speaking more generally, it's great to be having these discussions on the backdrop of uh, a lot of enthusiasm within our club but also a lot of people that now that are starting to look to us, and Damien is a p- part of that uh, part of that discussion, obviously. But look to the Gold Coast Suns and 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 uh, make a very clear assessment of the prospects moving forward. I think we are a more attractive proposition than we have been in any time in our journey, and uh, it's good to be having all those discussions on that backdrop. The Having Suns games in the Northern Territory felt like there's there's something there for you. It, Damien Hardwick hated having home games outside of home when he was the Richmond coach. Is is the Northern Territory a central plank to what you would like to the long term future of the Suns to be? Yeah, Jared, it is it is important for us. Um, you know, last year, yes, we had a couple of wins, which always helps. I know, but we had four North North uh, Territorians running around with us that day. Uh, it is a, it's an important uh, avenue for us. Uh, we've shortened the trip a little bit this year, which is, uh, we, we're very thankful for that. So we're, we're there Saturday and I think uh, through to Thursday. So it's not the 13-day away that um, we, we have done in previous years. Uh, but it is an important destination for us. It is a wonderful place to develop talent and, uh, and we're very eager to, uh, to continue that great relationship. Opening round is close. Are, are you counting the days to Gold Coast versus Richmond? It's it'll be fantastic, Jared. I can I can state now that we're expecting a uh, a sellout crowd. We we we've been in market for many many years. I haven't been able to boast sellout crowds, so we've, we we best put our head down and make sure we achieve that. But we've already got certain assets 
that are full for that day. And I've not had that experience in that market before. Um, so we are, it's building excitement. It's really good for the AFL, but it's particularly good for the Gold Coast Suns. It's a, it's a good initiative. I'm sitting here in a town that thought sport would never quite catch on in Vegas. Is that, I guess, has been the, the shadow that's hovered over Gold Coast. Are you convinced if the Suns are successful now that it will unleash something that Gold Coast really hasn't experienced in sport before? Yes, we believe that, Jared. The, the Gold Coast has been a very challenging place for national sports teams through its journey. There's no denying that. A couple of things have happened. The AFL and the Gold Coast Suns have made great inroads and started to build a platform there. We're not there yet. We've got a lot of work to do, but we, we're at the starting line, definitely. The other aspect of that is the Gold Coast, and, and particularly South East Queensland, is a burgeoning, it's a burgeoning destination it's it's strong and deep economic uh, contribution now. But when I arrived there uh, 17 odd years ago, it was very much tourism and construction. Now there is a, a multitude of small to medium enterprises, slightly larger organisations, really good corporate support, uh, and it's building a community feel there. So I believe those two things in combination with the Suns getting a better foothold and the, and the region emerging as, as a more viable economic proposition, uh, it's, uh, it's ripe for success. Bob, it's good of you to pop in. Thanks a lot, and next time we'll do it face-to-face. I appreciate it. Jared, thank you. All the best. Good luck for what's to come. The chairman of the Gold Coast Suns, Bob East. Here's Nathan in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. Finey's final siren, eh? There's a throwback. Driving home from the footy on a Friday night. Uh, giggling endlessly at all that was taking place. Um, so the Gold Coast Suns unapologetically ambitious over the three years. That's the best glimpse inside, I think, into Damien Hardwick's thinking. So on day one at his press conference, he declared that what they needed was already in the building, knowing that they had the four picks to come from the local academy and now a three-year timeline to win the flag. Uh, that's the best glimpse that you could imagine into what Damien Hardwick thinks is possible. Bob East, the Gold Coast chairman. 0433 98 11 16, 40 wings, temper text, temper, a mattress like no other. On the inaction of the score review, Jared, I don't even think the AFL read the book. I think they just watched the movie based on the book so they can give a generic answer if questioned on the topic. Benign neglect, benign acceptance. No wonder we've got nowhere over 15 years. Temper a mattress like no other. Ping through your thoughts as we go. 0433 98 11 16. Damien Fleming's about to join me. Jake Fraser McGurk. A one day that went, what, 31 overs? That was a horrid end to a one day series. And um, what did we learn? We learned a lot about Xavier Bartlett. We learned that Lance Morris has a side strain and that is most untimely. And we saw the raw power of Jake Fraser McGurk. Flem's about to join me. This is Waitley for Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on now. Fraser McGurk has a first look at Ford. He Oh, that's massive. Straight down the ground and into the crowd. Over mid on. Fraser McGurk charged Ford and smashed it. Fraser McGurk on strike again. Ford bowls. Oh, that's gone. Out of here. And it has gone for six as well. It was a swipe over mid-wicket. And he is treating this West Indies bowling with disdain, Jake Fraser McGurk. Ford bowls again. Fraser McGurk goes again. This one's even bigger. 
massive strike up into the grandstand over mid-wicket again. <laughs> Fraser McGurk has just gone 6-4-6-6. Six, six, six. It's the only thing we'll remember from a miserable Canberra one day, a 31 of a possible 100 overs, but a little bit of Jake Fraser McGurk. So we got five balls in Sydney. We got 18 balls in Canberra. He scored 41, and that over was the climax of it. Damien Fleming was on duty. I hope he only got half pay. Hello to you, Flem. Jared, how are you, mate? Uh, no, it, 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 I'll tell you what, in a, in a very disappointing series, um, Jake Fraser McGurk and Xavier Bartlett gave a lot of excitement, uh, one with pure outswingers getting wickets, and the other, um, Maxwell-like potential at the top of the order, uh, genuine power, seems very comfortable at the level, um, and already he's much watched TV. I just couldn't wait to watch how he went about the first ball and he didn't disappoint. What's his trajectory in your eyes, do you think, Flem? Uh, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one, isn't it? He, he scored a 50 on debut for Victoria as a 17 year old. I mean, that's four years ago, Jared. Um, so you'd think, well, will his career just be on a steady incline? Well, those type of players, those high-risk players, it doesn't always work that way. So much so that he lost a contract for Victoria, um, obviously coming into this year. South Australia, some explosive innings in 50-over cricket. Scored his first first-class 100 against Victoria um, in the last Shield game. But it's probably white ball cricket at the moment, Jared. Um and the way he's going, I, I don't mind him as a backup for the T20 World Cup coming up. I know he's not part of the squad against the West Indies um, or New Zealand, but this sort of power, this power is unique. Um, also, the opposition don't know him well, so you've got that opportunity um, for, for the surprise element of Jake Fraser McGurk. So I, I want him around the Australian white ball cricket pretty much from now on. It does feel like a missed opportunity not having him as part of this T20 squad. So I understand why, because he really wasn't in their thinking for the World Cup. So there was the opening in the 50-over game. Last night's innings was pure T20. And while he's hitting it like that, to give him these extra games against the West Indies, not as much for him, for the team, but, but also for box office, which, uh, you know, if these games are going to be a bit like that, it is to have Fraser McGurk there... Uh, is worth plenty. And chuck Josh Inglis in there too, Jared. You know, Inglis is very... It was like they were going shot for shot. Um, Inglis is a little bit uh, different as he, he hits 360, so he's lapping him over the keeper as much as he's hitting back down the V, um, moving across the crease. So Inglis and Fraser McGurk as opening batsmen uh, are so exciting. Um on Friday night at the G, just to see um, Xavier Bartlett and Nance Morris have the new ball also provided a fair bit of excitement to see what the next bunch will do. Um, disappointing side strain for Morris because I, I think he was going to rip through them, the West Indies last night. He was going to get fired for He already had two quick wickets. But what I liked about Bartlett and Morris was their composure. Like They just looked like they were ready to play. Um, and that, that's the same with, with McGurk as well. Um, so even though he's not in those squads, um, and the West Indies will be better, you know, they've obviously got a stronger T20 squad 
um, looking to do well at home in the T20 World Cup. But uh, if there's any injuries, if there's any losses of form, um, I'd certainly have um, McGurk around the squad because I, I just think it's going to pay off. As you said, it's box office TV as well. Like we need people wanting to come um, to the games and watch like, like Glenn Maxwell provided. And, and who knows, there might be a bit of a mentorship between Maxwell and Fraser McGurk and we'll find out what that mixture can come up down the track. Everyone was a bit down in the mouth about this one-day series. It's a bit out of season being so late, notwithstanding that it's still summer. Did, did yesterday sort of hurt it even more? Well, I think it's actually hurt 50 other cricket, to be honest, Jared. I mean, I, I've been saying it for a few years now. I, I just think once the 50 over World Cup is over, don't play any of it for, for two years, unless it's for the nations trying to qualify for the World Cup. Free up the calendar. Uh, I, I'd actually, I, I like 50 over international cricket more than T20 cricket, but with a T20 cricket World Cup coming up, I would have been happy for him to play um, six or seven T20 games. Um, just because it's got more relevance because we're going into the World Cup. So uh, there's plenty of questions um, for the ICC. One is we actually had quite an exciting test series. Pakistan were better than expected. West Indies beat us. But they need help in in retaining these players. So um, the ICC plus the big three need to work out how we can help fund uh, the West Indies. South Africa have sent a C team to New Zealand. How can we make it um, profitable for players to test cricket? But then on the other side, 50 over cricket. We'd all love the World Cup 50 over. Uh, besides that, it doesn't really have a lot of relevance, as in not many people go to watch it. Um, and the ratings are OK on TV and radio, but, but, but they're not smashing them out of the park. Yeah, much better. The Friday, Sunday, Tuesday, the T20s, which have a, a much greater purpose given there's a World Cup later in this year, holds, uh, hold plenty of uh, intrigue for Australia and a much greater importance. Flem, terrific. Thanks a lot for running your eye over it. Try and have a good time over there, Jerry. <laughs> yes, you sort of can't help but have a good time over here, Flem. Just to give you the inside running, Damien Fleming after, well, a game that only went 31 of a possible 100 overs yesterday broadcasting here in vegas all week and taking your thoughts 0433 98 11 16. plenty of your thoughts around the inaction from the afl on the score review from one year to the next i imagine crows fans have a particular view on that front the 40 wings temper text is 0433 98 11 16 temper a mattress like no other in the next hour we'll put aside some time to take some calls 1300 736 736 gold coast's ambition to win an afl premiership in the next three years and the one day yesterday the explosive hitting of jake fraser mcgurk and what that might mean later in the year even at a t20 world cup NFL in Australia. International ambition is growing by the year. Where are we placed? We'll ask those questions next. Wednesday morning in Melbourne. It's Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas. The vibe around Radio Row builds by the hour and it seems to build exponentially by the day is my experience through these things. We had opening night last night with 24,000 people there. Mitch Wisnowski flies the flag for Australia. He's playing in his second Super Bowl. He was with me at the top of the program and drew a great reaction from an audience that is now going to side with the 49ers because, as Joel said, 
This bloke seems like a legend. We fly the flag for Australia. We put a flag on our desk here this year and we brought a Sharon across just to uh, plant our flag, as it were. And we are chaperoned through a lot of this week by NFL Australia and the heads of that organisation is Charlotte Offord. Charlotte, it's great to have you on SEN. Perfect. Thank you for having me. What are your first impressions of Vegas? Uh, You know, Vegas is obviously a city that has a lot going for it already. But I think um, bringing a Super Bowl here just kind of amplifies it to a new level. I think we saw that last night at opening night. Um, 24,000 people to you know watch the, the players get interviewed. Um, so just fantastic. The atmosphere is already building, as you, as you pointed out. So we're excited to see how the week goes on. How valuable, how important to have an Australian again involved. So only four have done it. And Mitch is doing it for a second time. Absolutely. Um, look, we always want to have um, our, represent our Aussies and see them in, in the um, Super Bowl. So, um, you know, last year we had Jordan. Now we've got Mitch um, again. So we're very, very excited to, ha- to have him on, on the team. The, the NFL ambition internationally is growing and you're our conduit as to work out where we sit in the scheme of things. Maybe across the past 12 months, how has the NFL grown in Australia to your eye? Yeah, look, I mean, we, we only really opened an office um, going on a year and a half ago now in Australia, but certainly Australia has been a key market for us for, for quite some time. Um, you know, through the last 12 months, we've seen, you know, a lot of growth, a lot of growth. Um, and, you know, TV numbers and viewership numbers can, can, um, continue to rise um, in double-digit growth, which is just fantastic to see, particularly through the playoffs. We saw some of our best um, ever um, most viewed playoff games that we've ever had since we started tracking very many, a long time ago. So um, super exciting for me to kind of see the growth, to see people getting behind it. No doubt, obviously, some pop culture elements have, have helped um, you know, drive interest this year among a new audience. But so you think there's a Taylor Swift factor? I'm sure, I'm sure there is an, an aspect of that that has come into play. But, um, you know, certainly I think from a growing in the audience that we've been wanting to grow in and the kind of uh, young demographic um, of, you know, men you know, under the age of 25, we've seen a huge growth in that space. Um, but we may have also captured a few females along the way there too. My household is a real-life example of that as my girls have never watched the NFL, but the 16-year-old, every time I sit down to watch the Chiefs, she comes and sits next to me. So uh, we're for real on that front. Um, we shared a, that the Australian has that weekly graphic that measures the most spoken about uh, events of the week, p- uh, politics, sport, whatever it is in Australian life. And the week after last year's Super Bowl, it was the Super Bowl by a big margin, mm-hmm. which felt like, uh, that felt like a very measurable moment for the growth. Absolutely. I mean, last year's Super Bowl was um, our most viewed Super Bowl to date in Australia. Um, I think we'll surpass it this year by a long shot. So I'm very excited to see the numbers post that. So obviously very much encouraging everyone in Australia to tune in um, on that Monday morning. Um, but, you know, like I think Super Bowl as a, a platform has become much bigger. Um, we're obviously hosting our first official Super Bowl party in the market on Sydney this year. Um, you know, we'd like to do that across multiple different markets going forward as well in different states. Um, but, yeah, we're just really starting to see kind of the, the fruits of our labour starting to really get traction in the market, which is really exciting for us. How active have the Rams been in the Australian market? Yeah, it's both the Rams actually and the Eagles have um, really activated and stepped up their activations this year. Um, both teams really want to, you know, get their brands recognised within the Australian and uh, New Zealand market. So, um, you know, we've seen watch parties um, throughout the season from the Rams. Um, we've seen watch parties from the Eagles. Um, we've seen uh, Todd Gurley come into market for a whole month 
um, and I think we'll continue to see more and more um, efforts from them to try and amplify not only the NFL but also um, their growth as a brand themselves. So how active are you in reporting those numbers to head office and I guess elevating our position in the NFL world? Look, we measure everything we can possibly measure. So um, whether that's coming in from a club and their activations right through to the things that we're doing in market um, and how the market is growing, um, you know, we, we measure fan, fan growth week in, week out. We have a, a global survey that is, you know, always on. So we're consistently trying to measure and report up um, how we are doing, you know, it's important for us um, being a key market that we're showing that, you know, the momentum that we, all the effort we're putting in, the momentum's coming. Um, and that's how you unlock more things in the future. And this is all building up to is Brazil just got its game. So the, the Eagles were announced formally yesterday. Um, where are we in the pecking order, do you think? I don't think we're that far away, to be honest with you. I think, you know, there's certainly a lot of work to do um, to, to try and kind of solidify that. But I think, um, you know, it is something that I personally have wanted want, want us to achieve over the next few years, and I hope that we can make it happen. What, what, are, what are the international games like? So you especially know the London games, don't you? Yeah, that, do you know what? They are... They're absolutely fantastic. They are very different from a, a regular season game in the US and very much that comes from the fans come wearing all 32 teams. Um, you know, fans are there, you know, to see the game, but they're there to represent the fact that they are an NFL fan and they're an NFL fan of whatever 32 team they, they love. Um, and it's, so it's just, it creates a very different atmosphere from what you'd see at a, a typical sports game where there's kind of two teams playing and you don't really go outside of that. What do you think it would be like in Australia? I think it would be the same, to be honest with you. I think, um, you know, certainly from the numbers and the, we, you know, we measure the most um, popular teams and, and it kind of fluctuates around a little bit, but the heritage teams always seem to be up the top, the, the Cowboys, the Niners, although they always seem to be near the top. And, um, you know, I think with all that growth and all those people following those teams from a very um, for a very long time, you're only going to see them coming representing their team. So, um, look, if it happens, um, I'd be excited to see everyone coming out and, and enjoying the game, but also just really showing their passion for the game. I feel like you'd sell the MCG out three times over. I ho let's hope so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the, the most popular teams, um, if it, there's such a strong 49ers core, so it, people my age, so I'm 49, so we started with Phil Sims and Bill Parcells, New York Giants, Don Lane. Mm -hmm. um, and then it was the 49ers era with Joe Montana. How strong is the, the Australian support for the 49ers? Really strong. So um, and as I said, look, the heritage teams, the ones that have been kind of, you know, had those eras back in the 80s, um, still hold strong. Um, and I think you, you're starting to see, you know, people that potentially followed them back then, now they're, they're sons and daughters and, and also are also following them now. So it's becoming a bit more of a kind of family tradition. Um, so we're seeing a lot of that. But your Cowboys, your, your Dolphins, your Niners, all of those teams continue to, to show growth. Um, and then un under the younger demographic, you do start to see the Eagles have made a massive jump in the last year. The Rams have made a significant jump and um, teams like the Raiders, um, I think probably from a lifestyle perspective more so, but they, again, tend to, to be popular among that kind of younger demo. So, um, look, we're in a Super Bowl with um, two teams, uh, 
we'll probably be painting the town red. Yes. Um, we've got 49ers who, you know, have a, a decent level of following in the Australian market, but then you've got the Chiefs who have kind of newly come through the ranks in the last kind of few years with Patrick Mahomes and Kelsey, um, and obviously with the newfound interest around Mr Kelsey himself, I'm, I'm sure we'll have a few fans tuning in from that perspective too. Um, how many games, interna- how many international games are there? The latest announcement, was it eight in the latest announcement? So, so far we have um, three in London. Yep. Uh, I think, I believe there's one in Germany. Um, and then there is the Brazil game. So there's more to be announced. Um, and that's being worked through at the moment. What's our, what's our best case scenario? <laughs> uh, I don't know if I can answer that one, actually. Yep. I think we are, um, look, I think it's not in the plan for this year. Um, and, you know, I think I hope that in the next couple of years we, we look to see something happen in the market. Um, but it's certainly on my radar and something I'm working towards. How important is flag football in Australia? Hugely important. I'd say, you know, we spend a lot of our time um, and a lot of our, a lot of our investment is put into flag. Um, for a few reasons, uh, I'm certainly a big believer that if you play the sport at a young age, you become a fan uh, quicker and you become a fan for life. But it also is a game that teaches people the rules. Um, of the game, so which you know, I think traditionally people have kind of always said is is sometimes a barrier um, to entry for the sport. So we um, started flag a couple of years ago. I think we spoke about it last last year. Um, we have expanded that to all states of Australia, uh, 84 schools. We've got huge interest coming in from schools to expand that. So we're currently at about 19,000 participants across Australia. Um, and we're looking to try and amplify that to over 100,000 this year. And I think very much off the back of it now becoming an Olympic sport, um, you know, it creates more opportunities for young people to not only play the sport, but you know, potentially go on in the future to, to be an Olympian. And how good would that be to win a, win a gold for Australia playing flag? So, look, we, we're really invested in flag. Flag is you know, growing and growing globally. Um, and so from an Australia and New Zealand perspective, we are, we're going all in and, and we want every kid to be playing flag um, in the next kind of five years. What's your place in that Olympic pathway is trying to funnel athletes in and then who runs the pointy end of it? Yeah, so look, the, the IFAF, um, the International um, American Football Federation, are the, like, the key gate holder of, of that Olympic piece. Um, and then they obviously have their local federation. So Gridiron Australia will, will play a, a huge role in... Um, the Australia team and, and some of the tournaments and the qualifiers to go with that. And I think our job really is around how do we bring people into the sport? How do we, you know, use the, the shield to, to kind of gravitate people in and get them playing and, and teach them the sport? And then how do we then find those, find those athletes that we can then help um, create a pathway for in that kind of gridiron um, Australia environment? Do you think whatever Australia has a go at everything when we set our ambitions for 2028 do you think it will be athletes drawn from other sports or do you think it will be those who have chosen flag football and develop a specialty for it I actually think it'll be um, probably a mixture but I actually think it'll be a lot of kids that have actually played uh, flag football and have gone on that pathway you know we I was at the Pro Bowl in Orlando Florida um, this week just been and um, we had our our Pro Bowl flag championships um, there and like the talent was just undeniable so I think you know a lot of these kids do play other sports not at the professional level so I think what I'd love to see is you know more kids coming in playing now Um, you know they may play other sports but they can play this too and then it creates just another opportunity for them um, into a different sport in the future so look I, I, I think it'll be athletes that are playing flag. 
And if you had, if we had Australian representation, I think it was last year you told us the story of the school that was, was that, that the Pro Varsity Bowler? College. Right. So what, what have we had this year? Go yeah, on. so um, we had um, an, a state championship in every single state of Australia, which was fantastic, um, through the month of kind of August, September. Uh, we then hosted a national championship. So we brought all kids that had won their state championship. We flew them to the Gold Coast. Um, we had that. Um, and... Look, it actually ended up being Varsity College that won it again, and I think that was the pure nature of, you know, they were the best team on the day. Um, and so we took them again for the second year in a row. But, look, I, like, I hope to see that that, that changes. More states are starting to play flag football. More schools are taking it on, and it takes a little while to get into it. But I think um, I'm certainly expecting someone different to win it this year. Do you find... Um, so there's still a sense of novelty around Australia in the NFL is we live that here as you know do real swap interviews here but doing Chicago radio yesterday and the jokes about kangaroos as pets and that sort of thing how um I guess what's the line between still us being a gimmick with the cliches and the recognition that we are actually the best sporting nation in the world for what we stage yeah look I I think we're getting past that you know I think we've we've moved to a stage like you know Australians love their sport um, and I, I think, you know, whilst you have inherently have your domestic sports um, that are, you know, more popular, I think people are starting to very much um, follow their, their, their usual domestic sport, whether that be AFL or, or NRL, and then kind of move over later in the season. So I, I, don't, I actually think, yeah, the jokes will, you know, always kind of semi-continue a little bit, but I actually think from a serious perspective, people are, um, it's become part of, part of the, the sports calendar. And I guess it's a relevant question to you because you were the fresh eyes. What, what do you make of us as a sporting culture in Australia? I think Australia, like, I didn't know this before I um, moved down to Australia, but look, Australia is one of the best um, kind of sports nations I've seen. Um, you know, I, I feel like they embrace every single sport. Um, I love the fact that kids um, are playing multiple sports. It's not like other countries where you kind of choose a sport and then that's what you play. Um, it is fantastic to see that, you know, Monday through Friday, there's a different sport being played every single day of the week. So, look, I, I think um, there's a lot of talent that exists in the Australian market. There's a lot of exceptional sports fans. Um, and, you know, part of what I love about my job and what I do is, is being able to just see the passion that comes out of people, um, whether it be an AFL uh, matchup or an NFL game later in the season. Um, it's, been, it's been fantastic to see. How do you find the attitude of, of our major sports, AFL and NRL? It feels from the outside that there's, there's no real competition. Or, and I know, I think there was an AFL press conference or press opportunity today where Savrock is kicking the ball and Christian Petrak is doing it to promote the Marvel events for mm-hmm. the Super Bowl. Is there a level of cooperation rather than threat? Yeah, absolutely. There's, there's certainly no threat. Um, we, we've actually built some really great relationships and some strong relationships with both of those codes. Um, look, we're, we're really supportive. Obviously, the NRL are playing a game out here in, in three weeks' time, super supportive of that, um, have made some great uh, relationships in the, in the AFL space. Um, I don't think we, we compete. I think, you know, certainly um, if you think about the fact that our season starts um, and they're kind of at the end, the tail end of, of the AFL NRL season, we, we don't do a lot until those codes finish, and I think that's out of a bit of a respect factor. But also, um, let's not try and uh, compete in a landscape where you know, we, we don't dominate currently. Have you got any view on whether the NRL is clever to, to see what they can crack in Vegas? I'm, I'm intrigued. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to it. 
Charlotte, it's great to see you. Thanks for all you do for us across this week. But um, more importantly, the advocacy back to head office as we're sort of in your hands. So uh, good luck to you and thanks for being with us again. Awesome. Thank you for having me. Charlotte Offord is the head of NFL Australia. So a lot of our hopes and ambitions uh, rest with her at head office. one 736 736 and 0433981116 to play along this Wednesday morning with our topics. Melbourne's weather partly cloudy atop of 20. This summer, be prepared for extreme weather and sign up for the SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. Give us a call now. I think it should change the way the players think about leaving the ground to smother, particularly if it's foreseeable that they'll make contact with their opponent. But I don't think it will change smothering the ball and those intense acts, the one percenters that the fans love, coaches love, everyone loves about football. Laura Kane yesterday, she answered the rapid-fire questions of Sam Edmund and Kane Corns earlier this morning. So inevitable and appropriate that the league adjust its laws after the Maynard-Brayshaw collision. This is how lawmaking evolves. You see a failing, you tighten the rules, and that the next time around it holds up. It is entirely appropriate that should that event, which felt like a one-off, but should it happen again, it would result in a suspension. The dangerous tackle crackdown is very clear to us now. It wasn't coming into last season. It saw 32 suspensions and 43 weeks served, but no one can be in any doubt that you have to temper your actions to avoid a tackle becoming dangerous. That's true for player and for the way we understand the game. The bounce survives quite rightly. 23 will now be selected on Thursday nights and the like, and the sub will be nominated from that squad to avoid the the awkwardness and the silliness of players being omitted who were never omitted. Uh, And... The whistling problem, which we never knew we had, has been rectified. So straight A's on all of those fronts, but a gaping hole that there was no action on the score review system. So after the incident in Adelaide, all we got was an extra person in the arc for the final series, and that was the very least that could have been done. No progress made technologically, no progress made on safeguards, and no thought to creative solutions which exist in other sports around challenges and reviews and the like. That's just an F for me. That is a flunk of the score review exam, and it feels like that's been the case for 15 years now. What are your thoughts? one 736 736 in the 40 Wings temper text 0433981116. Get your unique bed match profile and find the right bed for you. 40 Winks serious about sleep. Barney on the Gold Coast, they built a new bunker for score review. Renovations will help. Laugh out loud, not. I'm a pies man, but the fact that the score review literally cost aside a spot in the finals after years of it being inadequate and then not fixing or making a change to the system is a failure of our sport and mismanagement of funds. If this happened and impacted Collingwood or Richmond, the MCG would have been torn down, not good enough, which is then followed by, hi, Jared. don't forget Richmond's season in 2022 was also ended on a goal review controversy at the Gabba with an overrule from the ARC seeming to go against the AFL's rules in terms of the level of evidence required. Surely it is time for certainty without scoring system rather than it looked like a behind me to justify a decision 
Unfortunately, the AFL is a billion-dollar monopoly. The only things they change are those things that might expose them to financial liability. For example, concussion litigation. Bet your bottom dollar there'll be, there'll be just as many suspensions this year because you can't tell elite sports people not to compete. And that is Michael from Blackburn. Uh, just to make you aware, there were quite a few errors in the EPL this season regarding review systems with balls going over the, li- uh, over the line behind goals, etc. They have plenty of debate also regarding the same problem. This is not just the AFL. That is from Shane. Not sure if this is of any relevance to the score review debate. Hawkeye Technology has a job out on Seek that my daughter applied for over in Perth. The job description states that it's working with the AFL and must be able to work at heights, towers, etc. Wonder if it's something new. Your daughter might be the solution to our problem. Fraser McGurk, what you saw yesterday. Gosh, we've seen two rapid-fire innings, haven't we? Incredible hitting from the rooster. He is the very definition of swing from the hip. I do feel, however, I do fear, however, opposition will find a weakness in his technique and calm him, which will alleviate his effectiveness. The likes of Warner and Maxwell have steady defensive decision-making processes, whereas Fraser McGurk has his weight entirely on the front foot with attack his only option. That's the the value of international experience right now is uh, he will need to modify his game and he'll need to learn the nuances of it and he'll need to learn to pace himself. But just for the moment, it's all explosive hitting and the possibilities within that are enticing. And on a Super Bowl and Vegas front, after listening to Mitch Wisnowski at the start of the program, Kaz in Kilmore, I'm definitely going for San Fran now. What a champion bloke. I'll be hoping he gets that win, the first for an Aussie. Would never get an interview as honest and raw from an AFL player. Mitch was great. Hope he enjoys success on Monday. AFL players could take a leaf from the Americans, as could our media, to make them feel comfortable. That's Beeper from Craigie Byrne. Watch the highlights of the Super Bowl opening day. This is from Marcus. Hearing all the boos for the Chiefs players made me realise that the 49ers fans aren't very bright. They have just given Mahomes, Kelsey, the Chiefs, defence, etc. the exact piece of motivation that's needed to completely blank the 49ers on Monday. Don't give the great ones any more reason than they need. Doing that to Mahomes yesterday ended the game before it's even started. Andy, mad Niners fan since I was in Fisherman's Wharf for the 82 Super Bowl. Can't get enough of the red and gold. Wish I was there. And Mozza from Cobden. For people who don't have an NFL team, Jared, could you get someone on to tell us which team we should follow based on which AFL team you barrack for? That, that, there's a bit of cross-pollination in that. It might take a little bit of planning. Uh, let me have a think, Mozza. It's not a bad idea if you want to adopt a team... We could play with the characteristics of them along the way. Uh, let's check in with Nathan in the newsroom. Your call is 1-300-736-736. And that swag of messages on the 40 Wings temper text. 0433-98-1116. Temper, a mattress like no other. Nathan, Nathan, thank you. Earlier in the day, we learnt that Charlie Curnow is now the co-vice captain at the Blues. And I agree entirely with Kane. There is no leadership lineup in footy better than what is at Carlton. Patrick Cripps, Sam Walsh, Jacob Wiedering, and Charlie Curnow. So the key pegs all around the field, and each one is a superstar in the leadership side of things. It uh, it ramps up the 
the potential and expectation for the Blues coming off that preliminary final and that they should go further. Everything seems to make sense at Carlton right now. Some of the angst in the debate around the adjustments that have been made, Daniel and Lilydale. Once again, the AFL makes amendments against what the fans want by continuing to water down the physicality of the game. The game will be touch footy within a decade with this administration in place. Disgraceful. Daniel, you can't put your head in the sand as a fan and not recognise what is happening globally at the moment. Every contact sport faces the same challenge around what we know about concussion and what we fear the future will hold. It is pointless denying it. And that is totally the wrong attitude. It is The game would be reckless beyond belief if its administrators didn't look for ways to make the playing environment safer. And they will be liable in future to a degree that may very well bankrupt the sport. There's an obligation for us as observers of the game to understand the why. And the why, you can't sidestep the why, is we now know enough about concussion. And what we know is there's more to be learnt. There's a creeping spectre of what it is right now and what it will mean. We have seen the massive lawsuit out of the US for the NFL, and we have a glimpse of what that looks like in the future. You can't stick your head in the sand and pretend that it's not happening. I heard someone, I saw someone text through a little bit earlier on around it's a collision sport, not a contact sport. It is a contact sport and has always been thus. You can't pretend that what's happening in the real world and involving sport right around the globe doesn't impact on the AFL and it is a, it's a difficult line that has to be trod and if you think the game is less physical now I would just say you're not watching it properly to see it week in week out live it is a brutally hard sport that has its collisions at high impact with big ramifications some of which can be curbed and some of which will always be inherent in an inherent part of the game but as observers, we owe it to ourselves to understand the environment, not to stick our head in the sand and pretend that it's not happening. 0433 98 11 16 40 Winks Temper Text, Temper a mattress like no other, and you can call 1300 736 736. This is Waitley for Hyundai. The Hyundai SUV sale event is on now. Throughout our time in Vegas, we thought each day we would tell you an Australian story, an expat. Uh, who's moved their life here, what it's, what it's like to live in Vegas and work here. We started with Colin Funky Miller, great figure, great cult figure in cricket. Brad Sugars, terrifically successful businessman, joined us yesterday. And now someone that you'll remember well from racing circles in Australia not that long ago, Adam McGrath, has moved his life to Vegas. He's with me on Radio Row. Adam, it's great to see you. Welcome to SEM. Jared, always a pleasure. It's been, I think, since last Super Bowl I was able to talk to you and sit down with you. But, uh, no, great to see you again and great to be on the show. How long have you lived in Vegas? Since July last year. So I made the transition from L.A. to Vegas and absolutely love it here. Was it uh, was it enforced by work? Was it necessary? Uh, more enforced by myself, yep. uh, but was able to keep some of the work going. So I'm still doing uh, the Australian horse racing for Fandor, which has been nice. We've got a little studio set up at home and I wanted it to broaden the horizon a little bit, so I've got a actual nine-to-five job as well, which I should be probably at now. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, we're on Australian radio. So, te- what? In your mind, why did you want to live in Vegas? Um, just more the opportunities. Like I'd, I'd heard so many things about the way the town was and how it was going and where they're trying to get as well, obviously with the NBA team, the baseball team, the F1 coming, and just seemed to be a nice little time to get in now before the big boom occurred. And even in the 
little time I've been here, I can't believe how much it's changed since July and the events that I've been able to see. So feel very fortunate to be here. Uh, definitely call it home now and don't plan to be going anywhere anytime soon. All right, so what's the reality like? I imagine there's a big gap between visiting Vegas and living in Vegas. Yeah, so I'd only been here once before and it was probably more what we think. It was, you know, you watch your movies and you picture that type of stuff and you want to leave as quick as you can. But living here is very different. You sort of get told that you won't go to the Strip much and I really don't. Unless someone's flying in for town or there's an event, you stay well away from that because it's absolute mayhem. But living here, there's just so many opportunities. Uh, the golf courses are unbelievable with the view. That's something that just blows my mind all the time. Uh, on the weekend, I was hiking uh, through the mountains. On one side, you've got the red rocks behind you. You've got the snow and that type of stuff just still blows my mind and captivates me a bit, um, you know, that I can drive 35 minutes to Mount Charleston and ski. Yes. Um, it's, it's that type of stuff I still just sort of pinch myself with. But, yeah, it's definitely not as chaotic as I think everybody pictures. My friend's always like, you're being safe, you're still being <laughs> yep. responsible and looking after yourself. I'm like, yes, I'm doing all of that. It is possible. <laughs> so what are the burbs of Vegas like? Um, very, yeah, very different, very quiet. Like, I love uh, love the little gated community. I'm in a yeah, nice little gated community where I think the average age is about 75. We've got a community <laughs> pool. I just keep to myself. So, yeah, I find it a lot more quiet, um, very safe, very secure. And traffic is nice. I get it going from LA to here is uh, a very different uh, way of getting to work, at least. Well, what sort of connections have you made in in community? So, like, have you found a, a, a friendship group over here, for instance? Yeah, so it's, it's been tough. I was talking to your producer on the way here. So when I was in Ohio and in uh, in Columbus and LA, I played Australian rules football, and that was my way of sort of getting in. Um, since moving to Vegas and having the full time job, I haven't been able to. So it's been meeting a few people through loose connections and and doing that on the golf course, and then. Uh, those people sort of expanding so been fortunate enough that the first guy I met here actually works for the Vegas Golden Knights so that's nice. been a nice little affiliation to have at the time and get to uh, meet more people in the sporting industry which has been really good but I mean it's definitely a challenge but the Australian accent certainly does help especially in Vegas they're very friendly and they do like to ask a lot of questions once they hear it. Yeah so uh, are you surrounded by uh, well, how far out of town would you be? Uh, I'm probably about 20 minutes from here, so I'm living in Henderson at the moment. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. Yep, so I'm out there, which is kind of that nice distance again. You're sort of 10 from the airport, 20 from the strip, 30 minutes to Summerlin, which is sort of the main uh, key points there. So do feel like I get to get out a little bit and relax and have the quietness as well. What do you miss? What do you know is absent here that, that you miss from home? Uh, holidays. <laughs> That's the first thing. Um, to be honest, just because it's just gone, Boxing Day. Right. Like, like uh, I had to be, I had to leave, I flew back to Australia for Christmas and I had to leave Christmas night to get back here to work, their Boxing Day. Um, but just waking up, putting the career... So I still try to incorporate my Australian life a lot. Um, I still probably watch seven to eight AFL games every week. Yeah. I, still, I still watch 360 on my lunch break <laughs> in the back of the car, like I told you last year. Um, you know, watching the cricket at night, apart from last night being the quickest game in history, sort of ruined my night. So I still try and incorporate as much of the Australian lifestyle as possible, but definitely still miss our traditions. And then what's here that is hard to explain to people back home and you sort of almost have to see it for yourself to understand it? I'd say the show atmosphere. I mean, Everything is just a show and a spectacle. I mean, you would know that better than anyone, but even walking in here, it's just amazing the amount of setups they have. And I was saying for tonight, when you guys go to the, the Vegas Golden Knights, you need to get there early because every day is a production. And that's probably something that still blows my mind. The first, the highest state game I went to when I'm watching jets fly over for 110,000 people at a college game, it's 
you pinch yourself and you think, like, that's what we need for a grand final normally, not just the first game against Purdue or someone like <laughs> yep, that. Yep. So, yeah, probably just how much effort and uh, production goes into what they do really just, it's, it's got me in. Yeah, yeah. So w- what's work? Uh, work here, so I'm still working for Fandle. Uh, so I do the Australian broadcast, or Australian racing for them. So I'm their international expert. So tonight I'll get on and whatever tracks we've got, I'll discuss them, tell them how to bet. Um, I'm selling billboards here full-time as my nine-to-five, which is been good again because I'm working with like the NRL when they come here next month and a bit of the Tim Zoo stuff. I know that he's coming through tomorrow as well. Uh, I'm still a jockey agent in Perth. So I'm still looking after Clint Johnson-Porter and Jordan yeah, Turner and yeah. Braden Garth. So I get up at midnight and do that most nights. Um, and for my race source, I'm still doing their race previews as well. So I've still got my hands in a few little pies, but it's, it's the way that I still feel like I'm home is still by keeping up that way. I don't think I could 100% let go and just live a full American life. Yep. I still like to have my traditions and still have my people that have been such a big part of my life for so long. Actually, Crash asked me on Monday is whether there's any visibility around the NRL. You're the guy to ask. Well, what, what is going to be rolled out for the NRL? From what I've seen, it's going to be pretty impressive. So I know they've got full advertising basically on the resorts world and all the big spectaculars. Um, We've put together a, a very nice proposal as well where you're going to see the NRL on every single billboard basically in Vegas for two weeks weeks leading up to it. So I think America is going to have a, a really good look at it. They still believe uh, the rugby is number one game and that's what they're pushing the message of as well. So a lot of the Americans do want to get out there and see it. And there's just a real hunger for sport here at the moment. I've noticed whatever comes, the stands are full. So I think once the message does get out there and they're aware that there is an event they're not uh, used to, they'll go and I think it'll be a really good uh, spectacle to be at. It is one of the uh, one of the realities here which disappoints me a little bit is whenever people come up and talk to you and they know you're from Australia, they start with rugby and go, oh, no, you missed Aussie rules, Aussie rules. So that that they are actually, the NRL are going to play to a strength there. This is what America thinks the Australian football code is. Yeah, so very smart by them. Um, the advertising I've already seen, it already has Australia's number one sport in yeah. big capital letters. So they're doing it very well and they're going to get that momentum. But, I mean, you would know, have you ever tried explaining Australian rules football to an American? We had a go at it yesterday. Oh, it, like I try to tell them it's like football combined with soccer, combined with rugby, 360 degrees, no pads, you can jump on their heads. It's, uh, I heard the rule change just before. I mean, try explaining it is almost impossible. You've got to sit them down and watch it. But I've never met an American that doesn't like it when they watch it. We lead with the best game of all and then just sort of (laughs) gloss over the rest. Um, Who do you barrack for? In AFL. In AFL. Um, West Coast. Oh, good time to so, be away. You're not yeah, missing morning anything. Morning, K-Corns, how are you? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, getting up at 3 a.m. to watch us lose by 180 to Sydney really starts testing yeah. the patience and the love for a team. What's your favourite night out in Vegas? Oh, that's a very good question. Um... I don't know. I de- definitely Sundays. It is Sundays. I mean, that's that's changed. I love the Sunday football culture, like getting up nice and early, sort of finding a bar or somewhere, getting your wings at lunch and just sitting the whole way through and sort of closing it up by 8pm with the NBA on another screen as well. Um, yeah, it's definitely still surrounding the sporting events. What's, what's your feel for what this week is going to build to by the time we get to Sunday? I think the F1 has probably given us a nice little preview. It's definitely not as big and doesn't have the history or the, the context that Super Bowl is going to have. But just having these big events now where Vegas is really wanting to put their hand up and say, look at us, like we aren't just the visit anymore. We want the NBA team. We want the baseball team. And they're really trying to be a landmark for sport now. So... I know there's meant to be more people here than there was for New Year's Eve. They're expecting over 500,000 people to fly in. So huge numbers, huge events. 
It's a shame about the weather. I've never seen it rain two days in a row since I've been here, and it looks like it's going to continue. But the one thing I've learned that doesn't dampen anyone's spirit out there, the streets are going to be crazy, the atmosphere will be insane, and it'll be loud everywhere you are. I think it's good from Thursday onwards, so the, the whole peak of it is going to be bathed in sunshine. And, and as a local, do you, do you drop into the casino from time to time? I try to stay away. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not really, because I've never been a casino person. Like, I'll more go to watch the sports. So I do like going to them and, and, you know, being able to watch the multiple games on big screens. But never been really a casino better. I'd more still rather put the horse racing down and maybe watch the Australian racing at night. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I hear exactly what you're saying. It all feels a little bit overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. But we're going to try to talk ourselves into playing craps by the end of the week. <laughs> um, so you could see yourself living here for a while? Yeah, I, I sort of came up with, well, I had sort of the, the line in the sand moment, Christmas, was I going to go back or stay? And this feels like home for me. It's um, having lived in Perth, Adelaide, Melbourne, then Columbus, LA here. This is the place I most feel like home and just the opportunities and everything that goes on. Um, very excited to be here. So staying here for now, keep the Australian connections going and, yeah, absolutely love it. How, how long does it take to absolutely nail down driving on the other side of the road? Ooh. Do you know what? I didn't find it too bad here, but when I went back home recently, I was a tourist. <laughs> I, was an ass- I was bumping into people. I was saying wrong names for things. And I, I literally was messaging a few of my mates. I was like, I'm American. It's happened in three years. <laughs> I can't believe I've lost my roots. <laughs> Adam, it's great to see you. Thanks for stopping by and giving us the feel for what it's like to live in Vegas. Thank you. Appreciate it. Good to see you again. Good on you. Adam McGrath here on Radio Row in Las Vegas. Uh, Todd, you've gone to great lengths to send me a text. It's so long I can't see it all. Can you email that to me, waitley at sen.com.au? Todd's had a dip at uh, associating every AFL team to an NFL team. Um, Creative minds, I love it. Todd, could you email that to me, waitley at sen.com.au? So Adam McGrath with a picture of what life's like for an expat here in Las Vegas. Ben Graham's arrived in town. He's going to join me in a moment's time. Wayne Hawks in the next hour. The prospect of Gil McLaughlin as the chairman of Racing Victoria. I wonder what chatter that let loose in the trainers' towers and around the traps. Uh, and now that it's been revealed as such a strong possibility, it would be an anticlimax if it didn't happen. So it was John Hawks who first raised the prospect, as far as I can tell, the Hall of Fame trainer and Wayne's dad. So we'll get the view from Wayne Hawks. And plenty of your thoughts next. I have a strong affinity, actually, with this text that was sent through. Is there any danger of the AFL or footy media outlets running a genuine campaign in the US that simply rebuts the NRL's claim and points to the Guide to Australian Football video on YouTube. It genuinely is frustrating that that Americans, A, think rugby is Australian football, and B, have absolutely no idea that Aussie rules even exists. It's 2024. We have the best sport in the world. Let's bloody well show it to them. (laughs) That's a very good text. Uh, 846. Just ping through your name. I want to give you credit there. So I came over in October uh, two years ago and did two weeks on the NFL circuit through a lot of the media setups and went through, we started in Cincinnati and went to Tampa Bay just after the the cyclone had blown through there, uh, to San Francisco to Monday Night Football, to LA and to Kansas City and um, made great connections with varying broadcast centres. But they all started with the rugby. And again, (laughs) Australian rules football, which they do have name recognition for, but it's not the... It's not the instantly thought of code, and that's a pity. That I could see 
it been worthwhile to put some resourcing into that. But what I will say of the NRL is decisions are made by those that show up and they're about to show up and I think they'll be successful. I think there'll be a legacy piece to staging games here. Uh, I won't get into the the cross-code fun and games that exists. Uh, I'm, I'm deferring to Vossi when we cross the divide. I think this is a great idea by the NRL. I think they'll get a huge dividend for it over the years to come and it will clearly bed down further the idea that when you think of Australian football in the US, the touch point is, is rugby. So I think this is fertile ground for them and good on them for being the ones to get over here and mine it. Decisions are made by those that show up and the NRL is showing up. Stacks of messages around the who and the why. Why you barrack for a certain NFL team? You want to join that conversation? I've got just the guy with me. So 0433 98 11 16, 40 wings temper text, temper a mattress like no other. Better still, you can call 1300 736 736. Uh, Schmick sent that through. <laughs> Good on you, Schmick. Good stuff. Ben Graham, welcome to Super Bowl 58. Oh, hang on. Sorry. My fault. G'day, Jared. How are you? Welcome to Radio Row. This is where you do your best work. But just talking about what you were touching on about the football versus rugby conversation, it brings me back to when I first moved to America and they all thought that I played rugby and it really did take some explaining that I played Australian rules football and you give them the DVD and they went, wow, you guys don't wear pads? So it is... There is uh, the only people, though, that did recognise Aussie rules were those that watched ESPN late at night in the late 80s, early 90s when they did show the replays. But other than that, it's really been Mason Cox and Pat McAfee sparingly. So there's an opportunity to control it like the NRL are doing. I think Cox is such a significant figure in the long term. He's an acolyte for the code now. Uh, So... He was in L.A. We crossed over in December, and the L.A. Kings uh, wrote a piece about him. They had him there for the night and wrote a piece about him and touched base with me to give an Australian perspective on what it was. So wherever he goes, he takes the game with him. And I think it's not only worthwhile, but it's necessary. Mm. Well, I absolutely agree. And I know there's been talk about playing some games over there and, and a lot of teams go over for training camps and and create relationships but I think yes a lot of work needs to be done and I probably should have and could have back in the day when I first made the transition the only real thing I did was the Jets did a deal with Geelong Football Club where we exchanged some jerseys and jumpers so there was Jets jerseys (laughs) at Cadenia Park and a whole heap of Geelong Football Club jumpers at Meadowlands. Did you barrack for a team before you came over here? No, I, I didn't. I didn't. I watched the Super Bowl. So the Don Lane, I was very young then, so there was a, that particularly around Super Bowl. But my brother and I came over after I won a long, long kick competition in 92, and we just started buying mini helmets. It wasn't really a team. It was just understanding the league itself. So, no, I, I didn't. So, of course, playing for the Jets... Well, I played for four teams, but the Jets being the first team, um, I've got a great connection with, with New York. Yeah. So I, so my U.S. sport experience is totally the opposite to my Australian sporting experience. So uh, uh, my, I'm wedded to my teams in Australia, 
and I'm transient with my teams in the US. <laughs> I, so I, I find myself, my son will be like this, I can, and without any of my influence, is we barrack for the players uh, and the players will take you to a team. So we've barracked for Brady, Patriots, and we had no trouble going to the Bucks. Now we barrack for Mahomes. In fact, the two teams we like most are the Chiefs and the 49ers. So this is the perfect Super Bowl for us. But isn't it amazing, though? There are so many NFL fans in Australia with a story about who they barrack for, and they are thick and thin. I've got a mate um, who's a Buffalo Bills fan. And he's lived through the 90s. And he was one phone call away from booking his ticket to the Super Bowl if the Bills had have made it. Um, But he was in tears when they lost um, a couple of weeks ago. So it is, for a sport so far away, everyone does follow a team for any different reason. They might have been a city that they've visited. It might have been a player that they fell in love with. Um, But... I'm a little bit like you. I mean, I played for four teams, so I'll align myself with either one of those where it's successful. But you talk like you run a fantasy football where you follow the players. And that's what fantasy is. That's a great way. If you're not following a team, you end up watching all the games because of the players that you draft in your team. Here's a few messages that we've got, and you're welcome to join in. Long-time fan, still got my 49ers helmet purchased back in 1981. Helmet still fits. We'll be wearing it on Monday. Go, go, go. That's from Stuntman. Oh, Stuntman, you better send us a selfie on Monday in your 49ers helmet while they're playing. Uh, Let me just not muck this up here. Essendon supporters would go for the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins haven't won a postseason game in 23 years. Bombers 20 years. Nice fit, Rowdy. That's just mean, Rowdy. I go for the Arizona Cardinals because I go for the Swans. Both teams were there from the start. Both relocated. Both red and white and both birds. Been trying for years, Jared, to get St Kilda Football Club Saints on board. The cross-pollination is a no-brainer. New Orleans Saints. I'd love St Kilda to have an actual association, but in the meantime, get on board Saints fans. That's Ian in Southbank. Cleveland Browns due to draft day. What a movie. <laughs> Beeper yep. from Craigie Byrne. I chose to support uh, the Green Bay Packers for their green and yellow colours, being Aussie. Well, do you know, Jared, there are a lot of Geelong supporters that followed the Green Bay Packers because they were the only franchise in America that was owned by the people yes, of Green yes. Bay. Uh, I decided to follow the best athlete in the NFL. That's DK Metcalf from the Seattle Seahawks. Go Hawks. Uh, Morn, mate, I'm Cats fan and I follow Pittsburgh Steelers. They're the hoops like the Cats. Bang, bang, Steeler gang. Well, <laughs> Matthew, big fella. Matthew Scarlett's a massive Steelers fan. There might be something in that. I follow Green Bay Packers. First reason, if they are, is they are not in private ownership, then the history of Vince Lombardi, then two outstanding quarterbacks, Favre and Rogers. That's from Emmanuel in St Kilda. Uh, my brother and I are mad Glenelg supporters, and we chose Pittsburgh back in the 80s due to being black and gold. That's Ben from Adelaide. NFL having fantasy football is a huge promoter of the game. You find yourself invested and watching the games and the highlights. So many of us now watch Monday mornings religiously as we start our working week. I'm a huge 49ers fans, a fan, and love the GOAT Mahomes. I can't lose. And, and we've had, uh, I've saved these for a little later in the week. Um, the 49ers fans who are coming over here. Uh, who 
fulfilling the lifelong ambition of attending the Super Bowl and, and cheering on their teams. At the stadium last night, so there was 24,000 there, there would have been 21,000 San Francisco fans, and proximity clearly plays a role in that. They made the choice to boo the Chiefs ferociously whenever Travis Kelsey tried to speak, whenever Patrick Mahomes tried to speak. It was an interesting choice to make, I reckon. Uh, that we had a correspondent before said so that was just a ridiculous decision by a fan base. Uh, I have a slight leaning towards that. Well, and it was similar to Jared, wasn't it, in the stadium before the Super Bowl with the Eagles and the Chiefs. There was a big Eagles presence, uh, smaller Chiefs fan base. Uh, if that's what it was like last night, we know the 49ers do have a big fan base. We do know they travel well. And we talk about the success they had in the 80s and 90s. There are a lot of Australians that started following NFL. I mean, my first piece of NFL merchandise was a 49ers polo with their Super Bowl years yeah. underneath it. Um, but that's interesting. That so that's, uh, that's almost 7 out of 10... 70% of the crowd were not only owned by the 49ers, but they were so far and away more vocal than yes, the Chiefs fans. Yeah. So, uh, clearly, you, that, that sums up, though, what I feel like when we found out the Chiefs were playing the 49ers, that there was sort of a collective sigh or a groan, and it was more about the Chiefs than the 49ers. Um, I'm not sure why. And it's, it could be the Taylor Swift effect. It could be that they want to see another team in the AFC, like a Ravens, um, and they loved the Bengals uh, when they made the Super Bowl two years ago, that it was here we go again with the Chiefs. But I mean, we, we spoke about how good Patrick Mahomes is, and if there's a quarterback yeah. you want the ball in their hand in the fourth quarter of Super Bowl, it's Patrick Mahomes. Don't tire of greatness. It's like people who got bored in the Tiger Woods era and the Roger Federer era. Come on. It's, What's no. interesting, though, is tall poppy syndrome doesn't exist in America. <laughs> You get your 15 minutes of fame. They put you on a pedestal. Patrick Mahomes is in elite company already. To be that age and to have those accolades already, they need to keep putting him on that pedestal because we are witnessing greatness. But the 49ers fans will try and bring him down. And I guess opening night on a Monday, six days before the Super Bowl, this is why it's such a great lead-up. And, it, and it's two weeks. You need the two weeks. T tell me, so you've had a little go at what? What is this the matchup, the equivalent of in your eyes, the Chiefs and the 49ers? If you were to put it in AFL terms, what do you reckon? Well, I heard you talking about it before, and it did get me thinking. And the 49ers were had a successful era, you know, a, a while ago, and they're a powerhouse club franchise, uh, and now they're back in the window. And I would say that's like Collingwood, but they need to win on Sunday like Collingwood did last year. And the, the Chiefs, you're sort of the last AFL team to have a little mini dynasty, something what the Chiefs are about to embark on or in the middle of was Richmond. And there are a lot of people, a lot of AFL fans that don't like Collingwood or Richmond, <laughs> like the 49ers and the Chiefs for whatever reason. So I'd say it's similar to a Collingwood-Richmond grand final. There's some, actually, there's some great stuff here. I follow all the Boston teams due to cheers. Good on you, Paul, from Packenham. Great. Turned the TV on when I was 15 and saw the Seahawks win a cracking game. Been with the Seahawks ever since. Love watching the NFL. That's from Ethan. Uh, Andrew from Seabrook. I'm a Detroit fan. 
because back in the day, I chose the worst team on the Madden PlayStation game and took them to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love that. Bill's fan here. Mate's father went to the US in early 80s, brought back an American football, and we used to play scratch matches. Get up at 4 a.m. on summer holidays to watch playoffs, chose the Bills. Didn't cry when we lost a couple of weeks ago, but was very flat for a week. And on they go. Shannon Gill's going to come into the studio tomorrow at 11 and just reflect on the different ways that we've watched the Super Bowls through the years, from Don Lane through to now. So thinking caps on, and if you'd like to share stories on that front, waitley at sen.com.au and um, we'll save those texts till tomorrow, but we'll workshop how we've watched it throughout the years. Here's, so run your eye over this for me, Benny. Todd has had a go, right? So he's linked all teams. I don't think you'll go for the first one. Adelaide and the New York Jets. Mm-hmm. Brisbane and the Miami Dolphins. Carlton and the San Francisco 49ers. Mm-hmm. Collingwood and the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I think that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I actually really like that. Yeah. Essendon and the Pittsburgh Steelers. Well, at least the Collingwood can win a playoff game. <laughs> yes. Uh, Fremantle and the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Geelong and the New England Patriots. Okay. Gold Coast and Tampa Bay. GWS, the Ooh, LA Chargers. Don't like that one. You're not having Tampa Bay and Gold Coast. No. Uh, GWS and the LA Chargers. Yep. Hawthorne and the Atlanta Falcons. Melbourne and the Green Bay Packers. North Melbourne and the Indianapolis Colts. Port Adelaide and the New York Giants. Richmond and the Philadelphia Eagles. St Kilda and the Detroit Lions. Sydney, the LA Rams. West Coast, the New Orleans Saints. And the Western Bulldogs, the Cincinnati Bengals. Todd, you put a lot of work into That's that. That's great. I'm glad, uh, I'm glad to be able to read those out. I'd love to do the, the cultural city study and marry it up. So it's much more work than probably we've got time for. But... Um, that, that's what would interest me is what's the core of a town as it relates to what the essence of our footy clubs are. And you've got to remember there's 14 more NFL teams than there are AFL teams. So but that's, that's great work. I, I, I love that. And it's probably something for those that are listening that really are thinking about following an NFL team, that they, they can't get away from it now. They've crossed that threshold of everyone else is talking about it. Their mates are in a fantasy league. They've got a... TV, radio, we're talking about NFL. If you haven't got a team, well, then hit me up and we'll help you get one. (laughs) It'll take three minutes of your time and we'll get you a team. (laughs) 1-300-736-736 and the 40 Winks temper text, 0433-981116. Temper a mattress like no other. Ben Graham's arrived in town. I might ask Benny whether he has any experiences here in Vegas. I feel like a seasoned pro. I've been here four or five days. Got the run of the town. Melbourne's weather, mostly sunny at top of 22. This summer, be prepared for extreme weather and sign up for the SMS outage alerts at unitedenergy.com.au slash notify. First, I'd say as a um, parents of 22-year-old twin girls, um, and my, my daughters and all of our family are Swifties for... Going back to where we met her, I think, back in New Orleans in 2009. Um, again, she's an extraordinary performer. But our girls love Taylor Swift, but they also love football. They know an awful lot about football. So I think this is just about welcoming people into the game. It's giving people a different perspective of the game. It's giving them an opportunity to say, wow, that's exciting. And I see it. 
I see it with others. I see it with their friends. I see it with others around. We hear the stories. We see the data. People are talking about the game that weren't talking about the game yesterday. And whatever that reason is, I'm, I'm good with it. As long as they get exposure to our game. And Taylor is obviously a dynamo. Everything she touches, there are people following. And so uh, we're, we count ourselves fortunate and we welcome it. Roger Goodell, the commissioner, at his annual press conference yesterday, uh, the Taylor Swift effect. Uh, and what he talks about there, we're just a small microcosm of that at home, as uh, my girls have never shown any interest in sitting with me watching American football. But when the Chiefs have played this season, the 16-year-old in particular, she's there. She wants to know about it. She wants to see Taylor Swift. America has tied itself in knots over this, and frankly, it has been ridiculous. But her presence is nothing but positive. Well, here, here, in my family as well. But Roger Goodell's got half a billion reasons to be pleased yeah. that Taylor Swift is is on board. Uh, but you have to embrace it. I know there are people that don't want to hear about it, don't want to see the crosses to her in the stands. But you have to embrace it because it's good for the game. All that happens at Super Bowl is the star power gets shown between the football, and then this has got star power beyond any other. Um, now, we have callers for you, Ben. How to choose a team, how you've chosen a team. Dean's in Coburg. Dean, welcome aboard. Oh, hi, Jared. Hi, Ben. Uh, love love to show, you, guys. Um, I actually have been following my team before my favourite team, which is the Blues. I chose the uh, Washington Redskins at the time, who are now the Commanders. Uh, 34 years ago, I migrated to Australia and in November of 86, and I saw the Super Bowl. Doug Williams was the first black quarterback to win the Super Bowl. So I chose the Redskins, and we've been through thick and thin, and I've stuck with them even through the name change. And I've actually got a Severio Rocker kicker top that I wear to the Christian market in the hope that he'll sign it. (laughs) That's so good, Dean. Well, Dean's got a team, the Washington Commanders. They were very successful in that era, uh, and look, they're going through a rebuilding phase now, but I'd say stick with them. There's nothing better than when a team comes good. You can say you're with them from the start. So good on you, Dean. Pete's in North Baldwin. Welcome to you, Pete. Pete, just uh, flick the radio off for us. We'll come back to you. Let's go to Michael in Caroline Springs. Hey, Michael. Hey, Jared. Um, I actually am a Seattle fan these days, but um, because a friend of mine daughter was a friend of Russell, the great Russell, um, quarterback, and um, Russell Wilson. I did did go to New York, and and I went to a game, and I was sitting next to two New York firefighters who actually had their white death helmets, and I said, what's an Australian doing in an NFL game? I said, I came to support the Australian. They said, who? And I said, him, the guy who's out tossing the coin with the team, the special teams captain, Ben Graham. They said, is he Australian? I said, yeah. I said, oh, well, we should pay a bit more attention to him then. (laughs) Well, that's a good reason to change a team (laughs) when you're in the stadium following a fellow Australian. And and this is the... And there are a lot of young men in college these days, but with more and more players in the NFL, that's a great reason to follow an NFL team because you're following someone you can relate to and their journey. So... Well, thanks that you're a Jets fan. Now, let's hope that they're going to have a better year next year if Aaron Rodgers can stay healthy. 
I find it fascinating. Anyone who's chosen to barrack for the Jets post your time there. So I think Patrick Dangerfield's in this category. You go, Pat, it's all your own fault. If you chose the Jets, you signed up for it. I got no sympathy for you. He, he was at a tailgate last year and sent me a photo of a Jets fan wearing my old jersey from 15 years ago. <laughs> Matt's text through, I was a big New York, uh, New England fan. Once Brady left, I realised I was just a Brady fan and followed him to Tampa Bay. I've got great affinity with this. Now that he's retired, I don't really know who to follow as no team is drawing me in. Any ideas? Well, what's your favourite? Well, she's not on the line, is she? So, no, she text. Favourite city in America with your favourite colour and we will come up with a team. But I would say go back to the Patriots because that was an era where you had a lot of success thanks to Tom Brady. But now how about support the team now that Tom Brady's not there? While they're struggling a little bit, they're going through a transition period. Again, nice to be back with them while they're going through this. So when they are good again... You've been on them the whole time. Yeah, I'd go the other way on that, is they're never going to be the Cinderella story. If they return to success, people are going to resent it. You go, oh, didn't you blokes have enough along the way? Isn't there going to be no way, there's going to be no glow associated with that? But it's a team sport. And no, Boston I, is I, a great I, city. Well, so Boston next time they city. go to Boston, they can go down to Foxborough and they can watch the Patriots nah, play. It's an individual sport, <laughs> I reckon. Uh, Nate in Brisbane. Ha, ah, this is great. Was driving around thinking, who would I support if I aligned it to my own team? Miami came to mind. So this theory works pretty well, I reckon. Also thought Detroit Lions just because they're the Lions. Well, if there is a team that you do want to support, it would be the Detroit Lions. Right now, I know that there were question marks over Dan Campbell's coaching in that NFC Championship game, but they have had a decades of poor performances and they are a young and up-and-coming team. So if you are looking... And people can criticise people that just jump on the bandwagon when a team is good, but given what Detroit's been through... They're going to go through a little successful era here, and it's great for the city, great for their fans. Jump on board the Detroit Lions. So I like your idea is choose the city that you'd most like to go to, and then it becomes something that it'll draw you there. You'll go and see the team in the city. So if, you, if there's a city in the U.S. that you've always fancied travelling to, that would be my recommendation. Pick that team, develop the affection for them, and then you'll get to the point going, right, when I travel, I'm going to factor in a game in that city to see them live. In their stadium. Yeah. Because it's the whole experience. It's the tailgate. It's the, the it's such a different experience watching your team in the NFL in your home stadium as opposed to an away stadium. Now, I know we're going to get a neutral crowd or 49ers pro crowd for a, a Super Bowl, but it is a stark difference. But that is one of the reasons because the other one is if you've traveled to the states before and you have had a good experience in a city that really never fell in love with the sport well you fell in love with the city yeah so follow yep. their sports teams so, so we started in cincinnati the royal wing we started in cincinnati and it was white it was white tiger night um for the bengals and so everyone wore their white jersey, which, which is an interesting little case study. So not only do they have their regular jersey, they have their white jersey. And the stadium looks looked incredible. Remember it, yep. Totally decked out in white. Then went to Tampa Bay where the um, 
the show is built up around the Pirates of the Caribbean. They've taken the theme on, superimposed the players into it, and there's a ship in the stadium that appealed to me. I thought that was just fantastic. The 49ers state new stadium is so interesting because it's out in Santa Clara, which is controversial because it, it, it would be like Collingwood playing at Cadinia Park. Uh, it's asking a lot where it used to be at Candlestick Park. Levi Stadium's wide open. It is actually like the old VFL Park. It is out in the elements and totally exposed. And then went to LA. SoFi is utterly brilliant. LA, uh, SoFi has that, does it belong, so they call it Rams House, but the Chargers play there as well. So it's got a little bit of the old Waverley about it. Who does it really belong to? Don't ever compare an NFL stadium to Waverley. And then... (laughs) um, Kansas City, the the tailgating at Kansas City, so the stadium, and then there's this massive lot around it, including the baseball stadium, and the the smell of the food was just magnificent. So and th- that had a really clear character about it. And then afterwards, because it's a nightmare to get out, no one was in any hurry to get out. They they go and tailgate all over again and cook up their they're cooking up their their snags and the like. They only get eight home games a year, and they do it really well. My first game was at Arrowhead Stadium. We saw the tailgate driving in, see the tailgate driving out. Amazing. Loud. Next to Seattle, it's the loudest crowd uh, that I've played in front yep. of. And definitely a different charm and a different character to each of those five venues for their home game. So, And how did you find, uh, we haven't spoken about Allegiant Stadium. I haven't been there yet. You went there last incredible. night. Incredible. So, the word that comes to mind is sleek and the black on the outside. So it's, it's a brilliant nickname, the Death Star. Brilliant. Um, For the and inside, it, it, like, it, it, it feels intimate, and then it, but it's big. And the noise of 24,000, and you extrapolate what that's going to be for 70,000, we were able to be down on the field. Um, brilliantly, uh, great piece of architecture. And this is new stadia when they do them well and this has been done so well did you walk did you yeah, walk there yeah yeah isn't it amazing that you're going to walk you can walk to there um the other stadiums in town are all in walking distance they're about to knock our hotel down and yep. bring the oakland a's baseball stadium on that plot of land across the road from excalibur and mgm on that corner um Oakland must be hating Vegas, taking all their sports teams. <laughs> yeah, well, they, I guess they haven't done a great job nurturing them in recent times. Pete, Martin, Darren, in a moment. Nathan's in the newsroom. Nathan, thank you. Let's rattle through these calls. Pete's in North Ball, and welcome to you, Pete. Hey, G and Ben, uh, very envious of you both. I was supposed to be in Vegas, but for a faulty passport, but that's another story for oh, another day. Pete. Lifelong uh, Richmond supporter, lifelong Raiders fan. And at one point, they were running parallel with how junk they were in the postseason. But uh, the Tigers have turned it around, and I think we've got a, a good one with Antonio Pierce. So hopefully, my Raiders can turn it around too. I agree. I, he's a great hire. And being in Vegas, gee, the Raiders, it's a big presence, isn't it? Yeah. Walk into the airport, or they've got a Raiders store next to the Super Bowl store, and you see the Raiders kit getting around, not only just in Vegas, all around America. Stick with them, though, because if we think the Chiefs are going to finish this dynasty at some point, and the Chargers and Jim Harbour and Justin Herbert don't take the opportunity, it could be the Raiders. Thanks, Pete. Martin's in Diamond Creek. Martin, Welcome. I'm looking into the future and I'm seeing Tasmania and who I'm going to align them to. 
and I'm going to align them to the Minnesota Vikings. They're purple. Their weather is very harsh, and they're part of the Norse group. Now, Van Diemen's Land, Tasmania, is Dutch, and Cabris is purple, and Hobart <laughs> is extreme weather. <laughs> oh, Martin, you, you've put the work in there. Very nice. It's a stretch, but I do like that. Um, I'm trying to think the newest team in the NFL that would align with that Tasmania. But one team we haven't mentioned yet, and if you are looking for a team and you don't like the Dallas Cowboys but you like Texas, the Houston Texans are a good team to jump on board because with CJ Stroud, you've got a bright, bright future. He is a player that you're going to want to follow. Darren's in Doreen. Welcome, Darren. Hey, lads. Uh, yeah, so back in the NWA days, of course, the Raiders, mate. They wore everything Raiders, which I went along because, you know, being a teenager when they were out, I had to. And plus being the Collingwood man now I am, they just, uh, they're the best. Uh, I think they need to get rid of Jacobs. He's just too much money. I'm sick of it. Even my cousin near the end of the season sent me a thing saying, oh, look how good we're going now. No, nah, no, it's way too late. Are they serious putting that in uh, so late in the season? And Garoppolo, he's just an old man. Let's get a good quarterback that needs to do something. They need to fix themselves, and it needs to be fixed right now. Poor old Jimmy G. Everyone rides him so hard for what might have been for one pass in Miami. Hey, that's been fantastic, and I haven't done justice to the uh, texts that have just been pouring through, so I'm going to sit here and read those. And this conversation will spill into tomorrow when Shannon Gill will be with us at 11. All the different ways that we've watched the Super Bowl through the years. Don Lane, Eddie Maguire fronted it for a few years and then where we find ourselves now. So thinking caps on there and make your contributions as we go. Ben, we've got a great week here together. Thanks for stopping by to get it started. No, it's great, Jared. Again, it's a privilege to come over and call the Super Bowl with you. Uh, but to be in Vegas for this special event is uh, there's so much else this city has got to offer. And you're going to find that out, aren't you? Yeah, ice hockey tonight. So tomorrow morning we'll have the Golden Knights experience. And you two you. at the Sphere tomorrow night. Oh, you two at the Sphere. On our McCafe menu today, Mitch Wisnowski, the Australian who's playing in his second Super Bowl, the punter for the 49ers. It's all there on the podcast. You can listen at your leisure. Uh, the McCafe menu there. Dwayne's about to pick it up for Midday Madness. Hello, Dwayne. Uh, Gerald, what are you doing tonight? What are you up to tonight? What's on your We're agenda? We're the hockey tonight. Yeah, oh, the Golden Knights. They I are playing the Oilers. That. The Oilers yep. are trying to break the league record for most consecutive wins. And the Knights are their logical challenger. So these, I'm told, are the two best teams in the NHL. I'm going to see them. Yeah, and I've noticed on the text, Gavin from Albury talking about the fact that you're going to see the best player of the generation. So uh, I'm envious. I'm going to see the Geelong train tomorrow, so you can be envious of me <laughs> doing that. Well, maybe not there at Deakin. It's hey, going to be you bar- do you, have you got an NFL team? I heard you talking about who you barrack for. I met Joe Montana, so I was always a 49ers guy when he came down to Geelong training uh, to meet us and train with us one day. So from yeah. that day on, I was a 49ers fan. So yes, Joe Montana. No, I don't. I haven't really. I went to the ice hockey when I went to Vancouver for the Olympics. And I kind of, even in the VFL days when I was growing up and playing in the Sandful, I barracked for players. I tended to watch players. Teams that had the good players I'd barrack for. North Melbourne had Blighty. So I kind of half wanted North Melbourne (laughs) to win back in those days. Yeah, yeah. So that's Uh, where I'm at with that. The full experience with Blighty. That's beautiful. I suspect it's a lively. 
Yeah, I suspect it's a lively midday madness. Um, see if you can straighten out the score review for me over the next three hours. So talk again tomorrow.